WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to City Talk here on WBCA Radio. And my guest is somebody whom I used to listen to on WBZ with Morgan White Jr. and also work with Jordan Rich, and who can talk about and was born in, I think, the yeah. golden age of Hollywood. <laughs> and his <laughs> name is Gary King. Gary, it's, it's great to be able to do this and talk with you. Oh, likewise. Now, likewise, Kenny. Tell me about growing up. You were born a few years after I was, but you were still yeah. in the golden age of, of television and Hollywood. So oh, yeah. tell us about what, what that was like for you. Well, I was, I was born in 1950 in Kingman, Arizona, and my parents had lived here while my dad was working on Davis Dam during the, uh, uh, just after World War II. And when they finished the project and I was born, then they headed to Southern California. And my dad were, was a construction guy, and he ended up through his connections, uh, building some, a lot of homes, tracked homes. And uh, the home that he eventually uh, bought was one that he had constructed. And that's, that's a house in Hawthorne that my brothers and I grew up. And Hawthorne is about, oh, maybe an hour away from Hollywood. And all of the studios, Fox Studios, MGM Studios, uh, Culver City Studios, were all in a very close area. Uh, my dad became a carpenter in the studios as what they call a prop maker. And he also worked, he first started, I think, in live stage theater, building the sets for, you know, Peter Pan uh, when they were in L.A. And my mom was a wardrobe lady uh, in that same business. But my dad got a call from a neighbor up the street who was a, he was a studio prop maker. And he said, Billy, you got you to gotta get in the studios. So my dad uh, put in applications and got hired at, uh, I believe it was MGM Studios when they did uh, Mutiny on a Bounty with um, uh, Marlon Brando. And he was building the sets for that. Uh, he also got a job, an early job working on the, the TV show, Daniel Boone. Uh, and that was out of, I believe that was out of Fox Studios where he was. And he, uh, he got into the prop making carpenter uh, business. And then he started working with the special effects guys. All right. And, Tell me about, yeah. about some of your first experiences. And maybe if you can remember back, mm -hmm. maybe one of the first or second celebrities you ever met in your entire life in this business. Well, I remember my dad was working on the TV show Bonanza over at Paramount Studios, and they had a Christmas party every year for the studio people. And uh, I remember going over on the set. It was closed to everybody, but my dad brought my four brothers, my mom and I, and said, come on, guys. We started walking around the studio a lot, and he opens up this studio door. It turns on all the lights and inside is the interior set of Bonanza. And we walked around through there and we said, you sure it's OK? And he says, yeah, it's no problem. Come on in. Anyway, we, we kind of walked around the whole studio area 
looking at these different sets. And after I got into the business, I realized, you know, if you worked on a set, you kind of knew where the lights were to turn things on. And, you know, security guys would recognize you and they say, yeah, go ahead, check out the set. So that's kind of what we did. But I think one of the first shows my dad was working on and I got to take off during the summer. Uh, I got to go to work with him as so well did my brothers. And he would take one or two of us each time. So we go, uh, I went with him to work one morning and he said, well, we're doing this show. Um, what was it? It was either Time Tunnel, maybe Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And it could have also been Lost in Space. It was one of those shows. And I remember, just, I think it was Lost in Space because we, we were watching um, um, one of my heroes from Zorro, uh, TV series, Guy Madison. Uh, Actually, it was Guy, Guy Williams. Uh, Guy Williams. And and I remember watching the set. They had the ship and they had they were setting up some creatures and and, uh, you know, uh, June Lockhart and uh, Billy Mummy, uh, Angela Cartwright, uh, who is Dr. Smith. Um, uh, anyway, we got to I got to stay there and watch all day long while they were filming. And there was times when my dad and my mom and we'd all go together and we, we were on the set for Fantastic Voyage. They had that big spaceship underwater sub. And uh, we got a family photo of us uh, standing in front and sitting on uh, the leading edge of the uh, sub. Uh, I can't even think the name of it right now, but it was a futuristic movie. They were basically uh, surgeons um, that were miniaturized with this spaceship put into the human body through a syringe. And they traveled through to try to get rid of a blood clot in the brain of this scientist that was a Russian, a Russian scientist. And uh, so we, that's one of our family photos. It's pretty cool. I remember Morgan had June Lockhart on the air one night. Yeah. And I, and I called her because I was a big fan of hers and also of Guy Williams. Oh, yeah. And I said, what, what can you tell me about Guy Williams? And she said, the one thing she remembered is that he was a nut about classical music. He oh, always wow. enjoyed talking about classical music. Yeah. But I loved, I loved Zorro myself. My dad bought me a mask and a hat for 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and that was high priced at the time. That too, was high sure. priced then. And my mother, <laughs> my mother made a cape out of an old bed sheet. Yeah. One year I went around <laughs> Halloween as Senor Zorro. <laughs> who, who, who was his, who was his sidekick was, um, uh, Gene Sheldon was Bernardo. Bernardo. His, his yes. friend and, and George Lewis played his father. That's right. That's right. I loved those shows. I grew up, you know, in the fifties, uh, early TV days. And, you know, I was, I loved comedy shows. I liked, watching the little rascals uh laurel and hardy buster keaton charlie um let's see who else uh um, yeah there's a there's a biography out on buster keaton i haven't read it because i oh, really don't know that one. much about him but it, but i know there's a book out on him you know, um, i've i tried to follow him whenever i could any of his shows uh, you know in that time in the 50s they had already done all of their stuff mainly in the 20s and the 30s 
So by the time I got to see those shows, they they were already you know twenty years old. Yeah, and and uh, you know maybe wasn't even making those movies anymore. But also, you know, at the time, Culver City, where MGM Studios is located, that was about a oh, 45 minute drive at the most from my home in Hawthorne. And that's where I uh, love to uh, work uh, between there and 20th Century Fox, which was another 20 minutes away from MGM. I, I basically worked between those two studios quite a while. Uh, a majority of my time in the studio business. And I got to uh, work one time, we were doing a movie called, um, uh, cover, not cover up, I'm sorry, it was um, it was about uh, coma. And it was about this underground company that was uh, robbing or taking uh, people in, in a hospital while they were in surgery and they would, put some gas through the uh, gas lines of the hospital and they would cause these people to go into a coma. And for treatments, they would take these comatose patients and put them into a lab and keep them on life support systems. Anyway, this, this movie was, it was pretty, pretty uh, uh, interesting sci-fi. And I was given the the job of going into the MGM Studios collection of, of uh, faces, plaster castings of all of the major uh, uh, actors that uh, were on contract for MGM. And there, there is, you know, hundreds of these uh, plaster castings that they could pull uh, molds off of and uh, do face add-ons, whatever they needed. So my job was to go and pick out at least a dozen of these faces to use on the bodies of that we were making for the movie coma and ah. I, I just finished a story on it it's called pick a face any face <laughs> and that and that was my job for uh oh we worked on that project probably two months at least and wow. myself and a laborer were given the opportunity to spend, you know, oh, three or four hours up into the uh, the area where they had all of these masks, like their mask library. And I got to look at all of my old favorite actors. I got to pick out the best ones I thought for details. And mine, my favorite was Wallace Berry. I think he had the best plaster casting of his face than anybody else in that in that whole collection. So it was obvious I picked him as one of the one of the faces to use. And what, you I'm know, not sure the relationship. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, their their uh, plaster castings um, were so high detailed in their face features. You know, either their uh, texture of their skin, the size of their ears, their nose, their eyes. It was it was something that I felt more connected to those actors at that time uh, being that I was so young when they were in their heyday but I was able to pick out you know a dozen or so of these faces and we we used the heads uh, we plaster casted heads and made molds and we would take each each feature each head feature and put them on a different body that they had they had made full-size body 
castings and we could put 10 different heads on one body if you wanted you know different different features but it, it was a weird process uh it was just making dummies that would be floated in the air on wires and look like they are on a life support system and these were all background uh pieces that we would use foreground towards camera they would have actual bodies uh you know stunt people that were supported on these wires hanging from the from the ceiling and they had life support systems uh, uh for breathing and and uh watching their body functions uh it was a weird weird uh movie but now uh, you you mentioned yeah. peter pan a little while yeah, ago yeah i i just got a book um about jm barry the guy that wrote uh peter pan oh yeah uh -huh. i haven't i haven't read it yet but i think that i'm going to because i loved peter pan oh yeah you know my dad i think the show he had at the time was working on was with uh was it mary martin mary martin yeah yeah and mary my, martin. my dad got a job to uh help the special effects guy who was doing the wire flying uh on the theater set and he was from england i think he was it wasn't like eddie foy type of family uh-huh the fabulous foys yeah uh, uh that was a jimmy was a jimmy cagney uh i think so yeah yeah he did the feature of it well one of the foys became a special effects guy uh out of england and he taught my dad how to set up a wire flying gags for special effects well that, that's what my dad worked on it's interesting we were talking yesterday about uh, the real mccoys and kathy oh, nolan yeah and if if my information is correct kathy nolan played wendy oh in really P in peter pan oh wow i didn't know yep. that <laughs> i didn't know it either <laughs> i forgot I forgot where and how I found that out, but let's talk about special effects. Oh, um, sure. It, it seems, I would guess today, that it's much easier to do some of these things than it was when the golden age of Hollywood or when you were around and first getting started. Mm -hmm. It must have been a lot harder than it is now. Oh, it was. You know, like nowadays, they, they're using computer graphic, CGI, computer graphic imaging and they can take a uh you know a, an actor and they can record his body shape size and they can put that shape and size into any type of a character just using the actor's motions and his voice but it would show him like a as a giant uh, creature it didn't matter but cgi does something like that whereas in the days that my dad was working and i was working and my brothers uh, we had to do everything mechanical rigging we were using uh, uh wires music wires and cables to flip lift up things flip cars over uh do explosions do the big uh you know gig uh, godzilla type structures uh it was all mechanical rigging they would build a set and then the special effects guys would either blow it up or make it fall apart uh, whereas now they just touch a few uh, keyboard you know, keys on the computer and they'll get the CGI screen, whatever they want.
it's it's just a lot different now. Uh, what I found is in special effects, especially, they still have to have a campfire. They still have to have a fireplace in the interior set. They still have to have rain, smoke, uh, you know, fight scenes, breakaway furniture, breakaway windows, bullet hits, stuff like that. They can't do it by computer really that good. And they need the special effects guy uh, even today to do a lot of that rigging. Uh, it's it's just a whole different type of a system. But the special effects guys uh, back in the in the early uh, 70s, uh, I remember a guy coming into the special effects shop and he's saying, guys, he says, we've got this stuff called computer graphics coming out. And he says, and in about 10 years, you won't even need a special effects guy. It's all going to be done by computers. Well, he was kind of right in a way, but he was also wrong because we still have special effects guys working on every show. Uh, you know, my brother Jay, the youngest one, he was doing all of these Spider-Man and Batman and and uh, uh, what was this one, uh, Life of Pi. Uh, you know, he he worked the longest, like forty-three years or so and was the last one of my four brothers and I to be in the business. Uh, I now have a nephew who is into uh, producing. He's a, he's a son of my older brother, Bill, who's here today with me. And he's, he's doing really good in his stuff. But um, as far as the special effects rigging, you know, we still do that, but it's, it's in a lot lower uh, level, uh, the bullet hits stuff like that it's all pyrotechnic rigging and they're, they're still doing that today that's interesting because i just finished reading a, a great book on mm -hmm. the godfather oh yeah and one of one of the things that they discuss in great detail is the scene where sonny colleone gets shot yeah yeah and and they have to use all this kind of stuff and uh, you know it had to come luckily it had to come out perfect and yeah. they they did it in one take and it worked out just great. But all the elaborate precautions that they had to take and oh, took. Oh, absolutely. I think his I think that part he was inside of a car. Yes. And they shot they shot all the bullet hits uh, through the car and into him. And that rigging alone, it had to it definitely had to be a one take scene unless they had the budget that they could have another car set up standing by and then they re-rig all of the blood hits, all of the bullet hits, you know, blood hits on a person. That's pretty right. heavy duty rigging. Right. And it's, it's serious business to make sure that those shots go off on a, on a predetermined timing sequence and that the actor is safe, the people around him are safe. Any, any bullet hits coming through the car, we had to drill holes in each car uh, that we were doing bullet hits on. And we would basically load in a small, almost like a miniature firecracker into the body of the, the hole of the car. And then they would cover it over in, in plaster. And then the painter would come in and paint it. And you wouldn't, if you didn't know what was happening, you wouldn't see those bullet holes, but they were all connected to wires that ran off of the set to a firing board that the special effects guy ran. And I mean, it's a, well, it's a lot of rigging. Yep. According to this book, which 
Mm -hmm. I'm crazy about it. I don't know if I'll ever get the author, but according to him, yeah, this movie saved Paramount Studios. Oh, absolutely. At that, at that yeah. time. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of the uh, uh, 20th Century Fox Studios when they did Cleopatra. It basically broke Fox Studios. <laughs> you know, it worked the reverse of, of uh, how um, the uh, Godfather had saved uh, that company. But Fox at the time damn near went under because of Cleopatra. It was such a humongous budget. Uh, you know, yeah. they, they take a chance. Every, every movie, every TV show that's done on any studio lot is like an investment. You know, you buy a house and you want to make sure that the house stays, you know, improves and then you can sell it for a higher price. Well, that's how the movies and TV shows are. They get an idea and the guy says, well, I think it'll do all right. Let's, let's do a pilot. So they'll shoot, you know, uh, uh, maybe for a month or uh, a couple of weeks, they'll shoot a few scenes and do a pilot TV series. Well, features are a lot different because there's so much longer time in production, so much more expensive, and they don't know if it's going to be a hit or not. You know, so that goes to their advertising and their release, how many countries they're going to release it in. You know, not just not just cities, but how many countries are it's released in. And now with the internet, they could put it instantly on on the internet and sell it that way. But um, you know, in the earlier days, they were they, the studios had their own theaters. You know, Fox Studios and uh, Paramount Studios. They all had RKO too. I think was yeah. another one. Yeah. So they had their own studios that they would show their movies in. Now it's changed, you know, it's, it's all internet. Do people still go to the theater anymore? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I have some friends that go up to Laughlin, which is about a half hour north of me in across the Colorado River. They're in one of the casinos, they have a movie house. And these people uh, were going up there yesterday to see um, you know, one of the movies that are out, I don't know if it was Batman or if it's, uh, uh, what shows are out right now? Elvis, oh, I, don't... I think Elvis is one. So yeah, yeah people, I... people do go up there and it's, wow. And you, know, you know, Kenny, you and I growing up at the time, we'd go to a movie and you'd see a double feature. Uh, and you'd also see either a cartoon or something in between. And yep. at that time, it was what, 50 cents, 75 cents at the most. Something you know? like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And drive in theaters. That's when they were doing doing really good because you could take the whole family and pull up and they would show the movie. Uh, they still had more money making in their pizzas and their their drinks and their popcorn. But, you know, movie houses, they still do exist. <laughs> That's but they're only showing. Note. They're only showing one feature at a time for what seventeen dollars or twelve dollars, whatever per person. That's that's, and they're still selling popcorn. I was just going to ask you that. Yep. <laughs> Nothing like going to the movies and getting popcorn with extra butter. That's right. That's right. You know, I remember. I remember the first night Jordan Rich called me and wanted me to be on his movie and TV night crew, and I told him I said can I bring in anything? And he says, well, you know, just bring yourself. Well, I decided to bring in some popcorn 
I brought in a couple big bags of homemade popcorn. And I brought that, and I brought that in, and Morgan White was finish, finishing up his show, and Jordan comes out to meet me, and I've got this shopping bag full of popcorn, and he said, "What's this for?" And I said, "Well, you know, it is movie night. You got to have popcorn." <laughs> so I I did that continuously on, you know, even when I met you, I think I was bringing in some cookies and and fruit and uh, roll ups. Uh, all kinds of things. I was like a craft service guy. <laughs> you know, I, when you, I loved it. When, yeah. you, when you're talking about special effects, I, I keep going back. I'm a big fan of the old Superman TV shows. Oh, yeah. With, with George Reeves. And yeah. imagine how much easier it would have been with all those special effects that we have now that we didn't have back in 1953. You know, absolutely. You're right. Uh, the rigging back in the 50s, you know, that for Superman, they had him laying on a table. They would have a wind uh, machine uh, in front of his, his head. He had his arms stretched out on this table. And the camera was taking a picture of him with his cape flying. And they could tilt the camera to make it look like he was moving. You know, uh. but, but what, what we've gotten into now with CGI is you can hang hang any actor on wires, music wires, and cables, and they just digitalize those cables out of the way, and they have the the actor flying in the air um, as if uh, there's no wires attached. So that was a big thing, and that, and even in the fifties, when they were doing special effects, those guys had to figure out the best way to make it as real as they could. And that, that was their process, was to do something like that. Uh, you know, it was, it was just the best, the best that was available at the time. Yep, yep. But, you know, I, you know, one of the things that I don't watch too much television anymore, except for old shows. But yeah, yeah. One of the things that's disturbing to me is that when we were growing up in that time span, yeah. you, had, you had shows that ran 36, 39, maybe even 30 shows a season oh yeah you don't have that anymore i think that's very sad you know what they're down to i believe uh, the last tv series i worked on uh we did probably maybe 12 shows in a season and it would take for a half hour show uh it would take probably six days of production even a full week of production to maybe get a half hour show in the can, which would I call finished. Now they're doing basically one hour TV shows and they could be a comedy, they could be a Western or whatever. And those take 10, 12, 14 days of shooting to get that finished product in the can. And they'd have to film, you know, a month or two months in advance. They'd have to get those jobs done uh before before they were shown on uh on tv now that's how well, far in I, advance they are i'm no expert on television today uh -huh. and morgan will tell you that but <laughs> you know it, again going back there were good shows that i always used to watch like quincy oh uh, yeah marcus marcus welby yeah uh the detectives yeah uh, yeah one FBI. of the great shows, yeah. yep. Uh, one of the great shows that I wish 
was being run now, and you can find on YouTube, is mm -hmm. the Defenders with uh, oh sure with E.G. Marshall. Those yeah. were great, great shows. Yeah, and they don't seem to have that kind of stuff today. No, the closest I think to one of those I did was L.A. Law. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I did LA the pilot. Law. I worked the pilot on that, and I worked the series for the first. The first, I think it was went three three seasons. Uh, yeah, but Law that was the Law. last kind of a show I did. Billy, Billy, I think was doing uh, uh, Columbo. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there was there. Uh, Columbo was good. Law and Order is good. Yeah. Um, Mannix. Oh God, I I was just talking to Morgan about Mannix. I love that show. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they're I'm, great shows. But you know, you had mentioned the Real McCoys. Yeah. Currently, currently, I watch those almost on a daily basis for about three hours straight. They do a half hour show. They do another half hour show back to back from two in the afternoon till seven o'clock they'll do the real mccoys and preceding that is a couple hours of the uh, beverly hillbillies and i i always believed that the beverly hillbillies was basically an updated version of the real mccoys <laughs> that's how i, I to, see it yeah i used to watch the real mccoys all the time but i could never get into the beverly hillbillies i loved buddy epson <laughs> But oh. I loved him more as Georgie Russell with Davy Crockett and um, oh yeah, and Barnaby Jones. Yeah, absolutely. The the old TV westerns again. You know, I was watching Bonanza and I was watching uh, Zorro and I was watching Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett. I loved all those shows. Um, oh, I you know the Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger and uh, uh, Bill. What was it? It was um, Wild Bill Hickok. Well, now that was with Guy Madison. With Guy Madison, yep. And I worked with one of his brother with his brother. Uh, he was a studio prop maker, and he used to tell me how his brother was, you know, always working, keeping real busy. Now, yeah, I loved all those shows. I I have a friend who is a big fan of Match, and one of your brothers, I understand, worked for five years on that show. You know what? I worked on that probably off and on for three or four or five years. But my youngest brother, Jay, did the five, the last five years of MASH. And in fact, uh, my brother, my prop master brother, Bill, who's here, and my youngest brother, Jay, was here. Uh, we all worked on MASH. Even my older brother, Bob, uh, was a studio special effects prop maker. We all worked on MASH. It, it ran there at Fox for 11 seasons. And yep. that, that's like a record for any TV series. You get a season yeah. run like that, it's doing pretty good. I think the only one that, that could top it was Gunsmoke. Oh, yeah. yeah. That ran 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think MASH, because of it was, they said MASH lasted longer than the real Korean War. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you get shows that run like that it's really hard to uh, to not get to see them, but to miss them now because they were they were on the air so long. Uh, you know, that's that's one thing I really like about the what's on cable now is all these different channels that are showing. You know, they'll show one series uh, for three seasons, four seasons of you know any any TV show that yep. they've got, and that's you know like Me TV. 
uh, yep. Morgan Morgan has quite a connection to that. Uh, he interviews a guy that that runs MeTV, I believe. Yeah, Neil Saban. Yeah, and you know you get something like that to to be able to watch nowadays. A lot of the kids growing up, they they want to see all sci-fi and and you know uh, the uh, Marvels, but you get them to sit down and watch some of these old TV shows, and they they start getting hooked on that. You know, one one of the people that I never interviewed and I regret it, mm -hmm. but a guy that I admired because of the many series that he was in, and he just seemed like a good guy, yeah. was Harry Morgan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I loved Harry Morgan, anything he was in. And in yeah. fact, you know, Loretta Swit was asked a question by uh, Jordan, I believe, or Morgan. He asked her, he says, "What's who do you think out of all the characters on MASH, who, do, who was your favorite? And Loretta Swit, with no doubt, she says, everybody on here would agree it's working with Harry Morgan. He, yeah, he, was, he did. He did some great stuff. Uh, he was in an Untouchables. He mm -hmm. was, of course, in Dragnet. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Jack Webb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. December, Br December Bride. Oh, spring, yeah. Spring Binnington. Yeah. Yeah. And also a show that I liked that didn't last too long was Pete and Gladys. I remember that one. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. I remember that title. Yeah, and it was he, a great show. And he he was, you know, he was brought into as a as a guest star on a number of shows. I can't even begin to name them, but I do know that he had quite a background. Uh, I think even in live stage theater, where he probably started out. Uh, you know, it's it's you know, just that somebody with that experience. They, they can't fail. Yeah. <laughs> another, another aspect of television that we haven't touched on yet mm -hmm. are the variety shows. Oh, yeah. Like Carol Burnett. Oh, Ed I love Sullivan, that show. Yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood Palace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve Allen. Yeah. And of course, when you, when you talk about shows like that, naturally, The Tonight Show with Absolutely. Johnny Carson, who did it for 30 years. What a classic. Did, yeah. Did you did you have any connection with any of those at all? Um, not really. I didn't get a chance to work on any of the comedy shows like that that were already established. Uh, I got to work trying to think maybe with Harry Morgan and not Harry Morgan, but with uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, him. They were on the Carol Burnett show all the time. Um, they're they're oh. like a partner team of, harvey uh, harvey corman and tim conway exactly those two guys i got to work with them on a show one time and it was i think it was maybe a, a test might have been a pilot for a series but uh, it didn't i don't think it sold but i remember working on on the set with those guys and they cracked me up <laughs> you know i think they cracked each other up but i i watched the carol burnett show and i think one of my favorites was where <laughs> where uh, they were playing a dentist scene. And, oh, yeah. And Harvey Corman was the patient. And I think, how was it he was? Um, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry, my my memory right now. That's, I can't think that's all right. Conway was the doctor. I know he was the doctor. About. He was the doctor. And I watched that. Every time I watch it, I still laugh. 
I laugh so hard. And Harvey Corman's laughing because he knows what's happening. <laughs> and it was just the way that that they worked with each other. Any sets, any gags that they did was hilarious. And that that to me was a, a favorite uh, thing for that whole show. Carol Burnett and they could they could do any characters and their sets and their scenes, their stories were so funny. You could tell when they were laughing because because it was like telling a joke and you already know the end of it. You know, so you, it's like Red Skelton. There's another oh. favorite. Yeah, he, yep. he could start telling a story or a joke and he'd start laughing and he'd have to stop and say, I'm sorry, says, but I already know. I already know the end. <laughs> I know how this is going to come out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I have seen Carol Burnett on tour. Uh -huh. twice. First time was at City Hall in Boston. And oh, unfortunate, wow. unfortunately, we were way in the back. Oh, and I had my hand up through the whole program <laughs> and she didn't see it. Oh, but wow. when she came out here, my yeah. wife, God bless her, yeah. bought two of the most expensive seats in the house. <laughs> and we were in the front row. Did you raise your hand? I did. And I was the first <laughs> guy that was able to ask her a question. Uh -huh. and I, I talked to her about the time she appeared with Jack Benny. Oh, uh, yeah. On his program. And There's she loved the favorite. question. Yeah, that was the, she. She loved that. I mean, I could have run up on stage and kissed her if I'd have wanted to. Wow! I, had, I, I adored Carol Burnett. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I the, definitely would have. <laughs> one of the best Jack Benny shows I ever saw. Yeah, was one where he had this. He was. Uh, he had a rooster on the top of his roof. Uh huh. And they gave him a summons because the rooster was making a lot of noise. <laughs> so he had this dream about falling asleep and being charged with the murder of the rooster. And, <laughs> and he hired he hired Perry Mason as his lawyer. <laughs> and, and one of the best lines in the show, every time Perry Mason would make an objection, he was always overruled. And Jack got very upset and he said, how come on, on your television show, you win all your cases? What's the problem with mine? And he said, maybe my writers are better than yours. <laughs> I, I can great, see that happening. It's a great show. I never thought they could make Perry Mason into a comedy. You know, but, I think I think that uh, he, he would work uh, as a guest star on a number of shows. And it was always good. I, I loved watching that anytime. But the character, the, the comedies were always my favorite. Any TV um, comedy, Jack Benny, I loved him. Loved that show. Yeah, I liked, I liked the comedies too. And of course, again, you're going to talk about shows like I Love Lucy. Yeah. Um, another comedy that was available when we, we were growing up. Yeah. Uh, was you know, that show. I love Lucy. I remember my dad working on that show where they they had gotten snowbound in a cabin. They were going to, all going to go up skiing. And I think Ethel and Fred and Desi and Lucy were stuck in this cabin and they, mm. they'd open up the door and it was just solid snow outside. And they, they thought they were doomed. They were they were working on what food they have left and how they were going to portion it out and everybody's sneaking sneaking nuts out of their pockets and everybody's you know it was it was a hilarious show but
but they were rescued by a, a group of uh, uh, what were they? Umpa Umpa band that was hmm. coming through the mountains, and they they came through and rescued him out of the out of the cabin. Well, one of the shows that I remember after the half hour series had expired. Yeah, uh, they did some hour long. Uh, episodes and each one featured a guest star. Oh, uh huh. And one of the best was with Danny Thomas and his family. Yes. And and I interviewed Thomas about that, and he said <laughs> he said that was the best voted the best comedy of 1958 was wow. that show that that they did, and wow. it was funny because they all took each other to court, and Gail <laughs> Gordon yeah. was the judge. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the judge in the if you can ever get a hold of it it's a great show to watch i gotta check that out and that was a that it's was a, an i love lucy no it was a, a desi lu comedy hour oh okay okay it was desi a desi lu comedy, lu comedy hour. hour yeah i'll have yeah. to check that out i like it's that. it's a great show you're gonna love it i showed that to a, a lawyer friend of mine as well as the uh jack benny show. you should check that benny show out too oh um, yeah Cause it's, it's a, the line, I mean, that was only one line. There are, uh -huh. there are some very clever lines. I remember I was at a radio convention and I met one of the Benny writers uh -huh. and I, and I told him about that show, how much <laughs> I enjoyed it. And he said, good, because I wrote it. <laughs> what timing, huh? <laughs> so that was kind of neat. That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, you know, Kenny, with your background, being around getting to interview so many people. I wish I would have listened to WBZ back in the 70s and, the, you know, all through all that time. I, I didn't get to listen to Larry Glick and I didn't get to listen to, you know, anybody before that. I started listening to WBZ when I moved to Massachusetts to, to Duxbury. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the, you know, it was definitely one of the strongest stations to hear. And I loved uh listening to Jordan Rich um, on a night that I was working, I was working uh, at night and I carried this little pocket radio with me and I was able to hear Jordan Rich talking about Frankenstein and uh, Towering Inferno and the Titanic or, you know, uh, all of those shows. And I'm listening to him going, Damn, I worked on some of those, and my brothers and my dad worked on some of those. So I called in, and then Jordan, you know, started asking me. He says, "What'd you do?" And I said, "Well, my family, everybody, we were all in the movie and TV business." And that's when he said, "Wow, Gary," he says, "Can you join our crew? We do movie nights and TV nights." And I said, "Sure. You tell me mm -hmm. when." And that's when I got to meet you. Yep. And Gary, Did Gary Armstrong, and you know, from channel Casey seven yeah, and Casey Lamarca. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. All of those guys. And then I met Dan Ray cause he was, yep. you know, they're in the same studio yep. and then I met Morgan and I thank God I got to meet you. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I, is, is the stuff on TV as good as it was? I think the reruns, time? I think the reruns are, but you know what? I I get lost on so many different shows now. It's it's mainly now it's more CG or not CGI. It's it's the LA. Um, oh, what's uh, I trying to think of of all of the uh, 
cop shows and the rescue shows and the legal shows that are going on. Oh, wow. You know, they're they're doing all of those shows and they're just giving them different titles, different different areas. NCS and I can't NCIS, think. yeah. NCIS. You know, they've they've expanded those shows to so many different areas. And yep. those shows that just keep going on and on. They're excellent. Yeah. Yeah. My brother Billy said he got to work on NCIS. Oh, that huh? would make my on the pilot. Happy. He did the pilot on that. Yeah. But you know, that's that's one thing. All of those shows now are like spin-offs from original shows. Yep. And I, I love watching the rescue shows, the cop shows, all that, but I've missed the comedies. And the comedies, <laughs> I miss all of the comedies. And I'd I'd rather sit and watch Turner Classic movies when they're showing Buster Keaton and they're showing ah. Laurel and Hardy and they're showing the little rascals. Again, I'm you know, I'm a 50s kid yep. where I love those comedies. And I got to meet a lot of the special effects guys that had either they worked on them or their parents worked on them. Uh, yeah. Is as much care taken now as it was back in the 50s and 60s and 70s on movies or television? Um, you know what? There's it's 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 more like an investment to the producers. They got to come up with some fresh ideas. And these guys now, I mean, they're they're out hoping they can get a story, basically like a true story that they can feature. You know about the airline pilot that that saved all those people uh, landing in the in the, on the Hudson River and the Hudson River, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's those shows that I really like. Uh, true life, true life yep. stories, and yep. you know it's the same thing like Zorro or like uh, Daniel Boone. It was based on you know characters, fictional characters or non-fictional characters, uh, historical facts. Those are the type of shows that I like to follow and i'm watching these now uh that are uh, gold rush people out searching for lost treasures uh, <laughs> his history channel the discovery channel turner uh you know those those type of shows i like to watch stuff based well, on you know, real real activities it's funny you mentioned bonanza which is one of mm -hmm. my favorite i love bonanza Oh yeah. And when I when I was working at BZ, yeah, I had the chance to meet both Michael Landon and yeah. Lauren Lauren Green. Were I they were them. they in town on on different projects? Yes. Uh-huh. Um Landon was there had something to do with uh, uh drugs, getting uh -huh. off drugs and getting straightened out because that was yeah. one of his problems. Oh yes. Lauren Lauren yeah. Green was there because at the time, Westinghouse was promoting an animal series. Oh, uh-huh. And, and Green was the narrator of it. Oh, okay. And the yeah. one thing I always will regret is that I never asked him about Ringo. Uh, <laughs> the song Ringo. Yeah, I love that song. And oh, yeah. I never didn't ask him about it. And I, I always felt bad about that later. But I was so awed by being by hearing Ben Cartwright mention my name i couldn't get over that <laughs> you um, know i i love the old westerns and and the closest i got to to working with an old-time western hero was ben johnson and ben johnson you know when i i first saw one of his shows was mighty joe young 
and he you know he was a roping champion in his heydays and he uh he did a, this movie called cherry 2000 and we were all throughout nevada uh area filming started in las vegas and we moved like 10 times but ben or ben johnson played a part of a guy that lived on the river and he lived basically on a raft that was built out of a big street sign that was floating on the on the river and he had a, a little hutch built on it and uh his character was called like uh three fingers jack and the storyline incorporated him as being a one of the heroes of the show but we had to find some props to hang on this this raft the prop master said you know we've got to get some fish and we we're at hoover dam at the time and uh so the prop master asked me he says hey gary he says you're working on effects today and i said no we're, we don't have stuff to do today he said i've got some fishing poles he says you think you can go catch some fish down there and i'll get permission for you to go through the dam and fish down in the bottom of the dam and catch some carp or whatever's down there and while he was asking me to do that ben johnson come walking by and he said hey he says you need some fishing guys he says i'll go and so ben and i and another uh, laborer were given these fishing poles and we headed down to the through the guts of the dam to get down about 20 feet off of the surface of the the river and we caught these big carp they were like 10 pounds five pounds we were catching fish between ben johnson and i and the other guy we had enough fish to to put for the set dressing and and ben says gary he says this is pretty cool we're getting paid to go fishing you know i loved it i loved it he was he was neat and well, one of my heroes before i let you go yeah when when we first talked a long time ago yeah one of the series that you mentioned to me after jordan had interviewed linda evans yeah was the big valley the big and valley yeah i still watch it and i matter of fact i got to talk to peter breck one day because of jordan who played nick barkley and i'm curious if if any if you have any memories about any of those people i mean um, there's a there's a great they, quote about barbara stanwick that went something like when she was good she was very very good and when she <laughs> was bad she was terrific <laughs> oh god i can i think out of all of those actors um i got to work on the show dynasty oh yeah and so was it linda was on that yes she, she played, she played the, crystal she played crystal Harrington. right and, right and what a lovely lady you know that that show alone i we did the pilot uh of of dynasty and then we filmed the whole series there at fox studios for i think it went probably i want to say at least five years it was a, yeah, it was I a think great so, run. Yeah. and they yep. had all the high tech you know brand new uh uh cars that came out everybody and it was a very expensive set a very expensive show but i you know i got to work with all of those actors and they were all pretty well established at the time uh but yeah that was that was the only character out of the ones you mentioned that i got to work with oh who was the lady collins oh was yeah her, her last name i she had an english accent yes yeah she played the 
she played the um, <laughs> the former wife of yeah of Crystal's I, husband. I can't think of who it was. That was well, her and her sister, uh, Joan both, Collins. Joan Collins, yes, Joan Collins, and she was she was a neat lady. Oh she, yeah, she had a bunch of charities that she she sponsored, but her character was always the the bad the villain. <laughs> the villain. Yeah, 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 and yeah. You remember there was a scene where her and Crystal had a fight, and they both went into a swimming pool. And we had to yep. film that up at there is a location in in the Hollywood Hills area, some big mansion. I think it was the I want to say it was a Hilton. The Hilton family had a mansion on the top of the hill, and they were using that a lot for different shows. But that was one of the sh locations, and they had to do the pool scene where they fall and fight into the swimming pool. Ooh, that I was, bet that that was, was one of my favorites. <laughs> 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 it was what definitely was on my list. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta tell you, uh, we gotta have you back again. Oh, I'd love to anytime. Maybe discuss the the Oscars and the Academy yeah. Awards and yeah, all all that kind of stuff because that's stuff that doesn't grow old, especially now with all the controversy and everything that's been occurring in the last couple of years. But, oh yeah, but you know, but this is something I've always looked forward to to having you on. And well, Kenny, when I when I heard you mention my name the other night on Morgan's show, that just rang a bell for me big time. I said, I've got to get in touch with Kenny because <laughs> I would love to do an interview with you anytime, anywhere. That's that's definitely on my top of my bucket list. Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I only wish it could be in person because you're a good guy. And oh, as likewise. I have said to so, so many people, uh, you're you're a credit to the movie and television industry and well, just a great you. guy to know and have around. Thank you, Kenny. I, I really appreciate it. And and all the same goes back to you. Well, sir, you know? I thank you very, very much. I was, as they say, in the right place at the right time. You got it, man. That's exactly I mean, I, right. Between the, we could <laughs> we could tell each other a lot of stuff. A lot of wine could get consumed one night. <laughs> Anytime, Kenny, even off of the show. You want to call and give me a holler? I'll chat with you. Oh man, I I take you up on that part. And it's Absolutely. the same with Gary. Same with Gary Armstrong, with Jordan, and with Morgan. Anytime. Yep. It doesn't have to be on the air, but anytime, I'd be thrilled to talk with you guys. All right, my friend. You take care of yourself. Enjoy that hot weather in Arizona. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you can call me anytime as well. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you, Kenny. I appreciate uh, getting this opportunity to spend with you again. And that will do it on another edition of City Talk. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's K-J-M-E-Y-E-R-7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.